0: Think about the door to your home, your apartment. Think about your door. What does your door do? What's it for? It lets you in. Who who does it keep out? Wait, wait, I can't can't hear you. Who does it keep out? Who does the door keep out? Everybody. Everybody, the people you don't want to engage with. Animals, yes, in my neighborhood it would keep out the raccoons and the squirrels. The, grand the grandkids. Okay, <laughs> who else does it keep out? Right, X. X. No. X. <laughs> Why did that just come up for multiple people at the same time? <laughs> Hopefully, okay. Good. Um, anything else? Uh, there we go. Cold, snow, sleet, rain, okay. Heat. Good, good. Yes, a door does protection. It, it protects us. It, it shuts things out for the sake of protection. As someone else mentioned at the beginning, it, it lets people in. It's, it's a way in. If I am if, if entering my home, the legitimate way into my home is through the door. Now, once in a while, we do go through the window. But the legitimate way, the real way to go in is to go through the door, right? A door also provides a way out. So you're not stuck forever in your house, but the door also provides a way out. So you can come in, you can rest at night, and you can go out and live your life during the day. A door is a transitional point. There's either an in or there is an out, but that door is a transitional point. Can you think of a time in your experience when a door has failed? when a door didn't do what it was supposed to do. Yeah. We had a, a when our boys were little, we had a, a winter that was super cold and the locking mechanism in our, on our car door got stuck open. So we, we tried to shut the door on the drive to church. Couldn't shut it. I think, I think it was Adam and the boys. And uh, they were trying to get to church because they had to get to church because, you know, that's what you got to do. And the door wouldn't latch, just kept bouncing back open again. So he's like, boys, just hold on to the door, hold it real tight until we get to church. We'll just pray all the way there. Yeah, it's great parenting. It's, you know. But I have another story about a time when a door failed. And for those of you who've been around City Life a long time, you've heard this story before, but I thought it connected with some things today, so I thought I would share it again. So thank you in advance for your patience. But this would have been back in the first year of church planting. Adam and I were starting City Life. None of you existed yet. Uh, We hadn't even started public services yet. We were just getting ready to go. And I distinctively remember we had moved into our our neighborhood, which at the time was a very high crack community. There was a lot of craziness that happened all the time. And uh, we were kind of used to a lot of drama. But I distinctively remember that night going to the front door, locking the door, locking the deadbolt, making sure the door was latched, and then going to the back door, locking the door, turning the deadbolt, making sure the door was latched. I, I clearly remember that, securing the door. We went up to bed. We were just starting to get to bed. It was a little after 11 o'clock, and all of a sudden we heard glass shattering. That, that wasn't typically That wasn't super unusual. We heard that a lot in our neighborhood. It's just that it was kind of extra loud so we kind of listened for a moment and then a next, the next second later realized that that loud sound was actually our own home. That shattering glass was our own house. And after that shattering glass, it was followed by more and more and more loud, loud noises. Now we're upstairs in a two-story home. We have two stairways. We have our main stairway and then there's a little tiny old, old staircase that's part of this 120-year-old home. And, and uh, at the point at that time, Adam and I weren't super liked in our neighborhood. We had made some enemies of uh, people didn't like it that we were getting in the way of some of the drug business that was going on. They just were suspicious of us being there. And um, uh, so we weren't sure what was going on, but we realized people were in our home, and we asked, the, like, are they coming after? Is this personal? Are they coming after us? Like, what's going on here? And so um, Adam dials 911, and uh, before before he hands it off to me, I, I run and I look out the the bathroom window that looks out into the... the, the um, the yard below, and I saw down in the yard 15 people, I counted 15 people in my little tiny backyard, and there were more in the house, I could hear them, and so I ran, and as I was looking out the window, somebody took, somebody saw me up there and threw a broken glass bottle up, and it was kind of a narrow window, it wasn't a big window, but they threw that broken glass bottle with perfect aim, hit the window, it tore the screen, the jagged glass tore the screen. And I thought, okay, well, they're not high and they're not drunk because there was enough aim there to get that ready square on. But I ran back and I, I grabbed the phone and Adam was at the top of the stairs and I, I grabbed the phone and I said, um, I, said I, I just counted 15 people in the backyard and the 911 operator said, how many? And I told her and she said, uh, well, you're going to have to wait for backup. We're going to have to call more people. I'm like, don't, don't delay, Like, just come really soon. And so meanwhile, we're up there, up there, we're hearing... It sounds like the entire downstairs is being torn apart. It's just, the the noises were just overwhelming. And then, our stairs go up and then they turn a corner. And then, as as we're at the top of the stairs, just listening and on alert, I'm on the phone, Adam's at the top of the stairs, a man comes up. And we see him round the, the corner of the stairwell landing and come up, and I will never forget that moment. I can see him at the bottom of that turn. And here's me, here's Adam and we are all looking at each other. It's like a slow-motion moment. He sees me on the phone. We lock eyes. And in that moment, I'm just wondering what's going to happen. I I can't even talk. I can't even tell the 911 operator what's going on. It was just a frozen moment. I finally am able to start talking, and Adam, meanwhile, wrestles the man... Down the stairs and it was strange because he was agitated but he didn't seem to be coming after us it was a strange combination of energy but didn't seem to be directly personal It was kind of a, a strange moment and so Adam was able to successfully wrestle him down the stairs and something must have happened he must ha- he, he saw me on the phone he must have somehow spread the word a phone is involved somebody's calling the police we probably better get out of here Because in the next couple seconds, the sounds decreased, decreased, decreased until finally there was one more little clatter over here, one more little clatter over there. And Adam and I looked at each other and said, is it over? And then the next thing we heard just seconds later was someone yelling, this is the police. Come down with your hands up. So shaking, Adam went down the main stairs He surveyed the damage of the, what I would come later to find out was the the, the front door torn down and the front window smashed through, and I came down the back stairs into the kitchen and there's a door at the bottom of those stairs, and I I started to push it open. There was resistance. I couldn't quite push it open right away, so I, I shoved a little harder and it opened about this far, and then I realized what was blocking the door. The entire kitchen had been destroyed. Everything was ruined. The microwave had been thrown across the room. The little table and chairs had been broken and smashed. The, the refrigerator had been op- intentionally opened up and thrown on top of things, uh, on top of the pile of debris that was gathering. And uh, there was food everywhere. I, I distinctively to this day can still smell coffee grounds and pickle juice. That was what my senses were taking in in that moment. And then uh, there, the, the back door had been torn off of its hinges and thrown on top of everything, too. The, the oven was damaged, the table, the micro, all the, all the utilities, all the appliances were all damaged. And I just stood there looking at the pile of debris that was almost waist-high in some places, everything broken. The doors that I had so carefully locked failed. And these intruders broke into our home for the purpose of destruction. It's a story too long for today, but we later discovered a bit of the story of what happened. In fact, the pieces of the story would emerge to us probably over the next 10 years, we would find out. We met, we've probably met four different people in various settings who have been part of the story over the years where people have said, uh, yeah, I was at your house that night. It's been pretty interesting. But we later discovered what happened was this. There's a drug deal about two blocks down, and they were dividing up, the, the gang was dividing up the drugs as they were doing, and gangs have rules, They have a law, they have laws that they follow, their own laws, their own set of laws. And if you mess with the laws, then there are consequences. And so uh, the the gang was dividing up the stuff and one guy decided he didn't wanna play by the rules so he just grabbed his portion and took off running. So then of course everybody goes running after him. They pick up their broken bottles, they pick up their pipes and they go chasing him down the street. He randomly selects our house to break into. He's the one who smashes through the window. He was the one who came up the stairs, and I don't think I told you this, but he left bloody handprints all along the the walls. We later found out, um, well, so then they came after him. They came chasing him. They just assumed he knows somebody there, so we're going to teach him a lesson, because these are how we practice righteousness, is we teach someone a lesson when they do the wrong thing. So we're going to destroy the house and mark our territory and just say, you can't act that way. That's what they did. John 10, verse 7, is where we are today. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. The Greek word for gate here is the same word as door. I am the door for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. One of the things that happened in this story is um, we found out that the man that came up the stairs had actually uh, committed a double homicide just a couple weeks before breaking into our home, and he hadn't been caught. But they, they tracked it all down using the, the DNA samples that he left on our walls. Another piece of the story was that uh, I, I mentioned we had four, four different people that had, we've met over the years who have, gave, have given the story of I was there. One of the stories was uh, one night Adam was out for a walk, just walking like he likes to do in our neighborhood sometimes, and uh, a guy rolled. We knew this. We knew a. We knew this guy from just being around. And a guy rolled down his window, and said hi. And uh, long story short, they have a nice little chat. And um, he's like, Hey, Adam, you want to ride? And Adam's like, Sure. So Adam opens up the door of the car. Here's another door for you. A door that is opened to him. He gets in the car, shuts the door. Uh, they're driving along. They start talking. And he's like, Yeah. By the way, uh, I was there. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the door. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the door to the sheep pen. All right, worship team, I need a little bit of help from you. If you could jump up and... Help me create a sheep pen up here. A sheep pen was a a small, was an enclosure that was low. It was open to the sky, uh, but there would have been low walls that would have been probably made out of stone, like the white stone that they have in Israel. And, um, and, uh, and, And often multiple people's flocks would all be in one sheep pen. And so the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd, and in the morning the shepherds would call would call their sheep, and the sheep would know the voice of their individual shepherd, and they follow the shepherd out and and do all that, and. Um, And in fact, next week, we're also continuing in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, where we are today, talks about Jesus as the gate and also talks about Jesus as the shepherd. And next week, Pastor Debbie Turner-Bell from Kentwood Community Church will be preaching on the rest of this chapter. You need to be here next week. She is a lot of fun to have. Uh, You're in for a treat. But she'll be continuing this story. But looking at the gate today, we have here this enclosure. This enclosure... And the, the, the sheep pen is this place of safety. It's where all the sheep would come at the end of the day. And the shepherd would stand here, and the shepherd would, would count the sheep as they came in to make sure everyone was back. Are we missing anybody? Are we missing any of the sheep? Oh, no, okay, here they are. And the shepherd would inspect each one as they, as they came into the pen. If there were any cuts or wounds, the shepherd would take some oil and, and dab it with oil in order to speed up the healing. And so the shepherd is just tenderly caring for the sheep. And at night, the sheep would all come in, and the sheep, I don't know how sheep sleep, sleep, sleep <laughs> but they're hanging out in their pen, safe. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you for those contributions. They're safe. They're safe from thieves that might break in to try to steal them. They're safe from wild animals. They're safe because there's a gate. What the shepherd would do is the shepherd, after getting all the sheep in and after making sure all the sheep are okay, the shepherd at night would get down on the ground lie here. And the shepherd became the gate. And so when Jesus says, I am the gate, he's literally saying, I am the barrier. I am the protective barrier between all that and you. I am the way to safety. It is only through me that you can be saved. It is only through me that you are safe and protected. He says, I, I'm not only the good shepherd, I'm also the gate. It's like he's lying there saying, don't you dare come in. Over my dead body will you come in. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. There's only one way in. There's only one entrance. There's only one way through, and it's through me. And what Jesus is communicating is he says, if you want salvation, if you want rescuing, if you want a place of safety, there is one way. It's through me. I, Jesus says, and the gate. And he said there are all these outside threats there are all these outside threats, these thieves who want to break in and steal. There's a, a passage in here. Uh, the the end of the passage says that that th- the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I always thought that passage was talking about Satan, but then it's, but it's not. If you read the whole passage of what's going on here in John, that's not what it's not. That Satan isn't behind this, but it's primarily talking about false shepherds. It's talking about false influences, thieves who come in, who try to steal away from the true shepherd. Back in 2020, of the many things that shifted in our society, in our country, and in our world, one of the things that we saw over and over and over again were significant numbers of people who formerly claimed to be Christians who left the church. Many people who, were reg- who would say, I have my faith in Jesus, there were so many that it became noted in all kinds of statistics, so many who, who, who decided that they were going to leave belief in Jesus as the gate. In fact, the number one reason that Christians fell away in the past few years is not because of the pandemic, but because of political ideologies. So much commingling of politics and Christianity, that things that seem Christian-ish. Now we are in a, we are in a political year, we're in a, uh, an election year, and we'll be talking about this more and more at City Life because we just kind of have to navigate through this and what does it mean to be a Christian and what does it mean to be a citizen of God's kingdom in the midst of a national election year. My life group just talked about this this past Wednesday, the Welcome to City Life group, uh, talking about, about Christian nationalism and what that looks like. But this kind of this kind of commingling of politics and Christianity, uh, some things about it seem good at first. Some things about it seem good at first. So people will say, well, I'm a Christian progressive. And some will say, well, I'm a Christian conservative. But then as we get more and more committed to these ideologies, we eventually start to drop the Christian part. And we just think, well, I'm a progressive or I'm a conservative. Or the Christian part just gets pushed back whereas the Christian part needs to be the first part of who we are. And this political ideology almost becomes like a a pseudo-religion, a fake religion. This kind of belief doesn't add anything to Christianity. It just takes away from it. In the gospel of Jesus, there isn't room for commingling. Jesus does not say, I am one of the gates, And there are lots of other gates, too. He says, I am the gate. I am the one and only gate. He's saying, I am actually it. And I think as Americans, we're a little uncomfortable with it. A lot of us are uncomfortable with this. Because we don't like this idea of exclusion. Jesus seems like he's being exclusive when he says, I am it. And we would be more comfortable if we could say something like, well, can't all religions get us closer to God? Jesus says, "I, I am it. And he's exclusive about it. The gospel of Jesus doesn't commingle with other religions. It doesn't commingle with Islam, Hinduism, Taoism. Buddhism is willing to commingle with Christianity, but Christianity will not commingle in return. Jesus claims to be exclusive, and so if we are putting our trust in Jesus, if we say we are followers of Jesus, you have to know this is a claim of Jesus and this is what he says, this is what you're signing on to. The gospel won't commingle with astrology or horoscopes. Jesus says, these are all false shepherds. Not only will other religions not save you, other spiritualities won't save you, even if they look beautiful. Cults won't save you, despite promises of love and community. Social justice won't save you, even if it looks like righteousness. You being a very tolerant person won't save you, Sometimes we act like whoever is the most tolerant is the most loving and that's the most godly. Your levels of tolerance won't save you. Your level of Christian-ish niceness won't save you. Jesus says all of these are false shepherds. They are, they are things that ultimately steal from you. They ultimately will destroy you. And anything you try to add to the gospel of Jesus, anything you try to enhance the gospel of Jesus with, only steals from you. Jesus says, Jesus says, he is the only way in, and he is the gate. Those outside the gate are not in. Those who have not come through this one gate are not in. Jesus says, I am the gate. Last Sunday, Pastor Phil was preaching on Jesus' statement that he is the light of the world. And we had the, these pictures of of the the time in which Jesus was teaching about I am the world is, or I am the light of the world," is right around the same time that he's teaching here about I am the gate. Uh, same, same kind, it's just within a few days of of the teaching. And last week, Pastor Phil talked about how it was the time of Hanukkah. He had pictures of 75-foot poles that had these giant candles on them. And it was this, this amazing picture of these huge flaming torches that were reminding people of what Hanukkah was all about. One of the classic focus areas of Hanukkah was that Hanukkah was a time for the Jewish people to acknowledge false prophets and that they had been, they had been led astray by false prophets. And so during this week, when Jesus is giving his good shepherd sermon right here, he's talking about being the gate and being the shepherd, the synagogues at the same time were reading a prophetic critique. And they were saying, woe to the false shepherds of Israel. The the classic reading is in Ezekiel chapter 34. It's It's a beautiful and interesting chapter if you'd like to take a look at it. But during Hanukkah, the traditional reading was woe to the false shepherds of Israel. So here, that's what's going on among the Jewish people. And then Jesus comes along and he's like, I'm the good shepherd and I'm even the gate. And anyone who claimed a way of salvation other than Jesus, Jesus says, is robbing people of truth. Just like a thief climbs over the wall, false teachings attempt to bypass Jesus. In the New Testament epistle of First John, in First John chapter 4, we read, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Jesus says, the gate is the only way, only legitimate way in. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Every other way in is an illegitimate way, and that's the way of the thieves and the robbers. So what exactly is happening with the gate? What is the gate letting in? What is the gate going out? I, I love this picture because at night, the shepherd brings the sheep into the pen. And what they have here is peace. They have rest. They have restoration. There's, it's this place of safety and protection. It is, it's the kind of rest where you're not afraid to go to sleep because you know you're okay. There is a peace that is there. But they don't just stay there, because Jesus is a gate, he's not a jailer. And so when morning comes, he lets them out, and then they go into pasture, and they feed on the grass, and they are safe, and they're watched over by the shepherd, and they're flourishing, they're being filled, they're not hungry, they're being cared for and watched over. It is this picture, this gate that brings in and this gate that lets out. It talks about the sheep coming in and the sheep going out. It's this picture of beautiful peace, flourishing, wholeness, the kind of life that God promises to those who put their trust in him. This is why Jesus came. Because life can be radically different. This is why Jesus came. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A flourishing life. Thieves come for taking Thieves come to tear you down. Thieves come to wear you down. Thieves come to throw you into self-doubt and confusion. Thieves come to steal from you your sense of purpose and dignity, and they only come ultimately to destroy you. But Jesus has come for your life. JD, come on up. Jesus has come for life abundant life flourishing life and Jesus says I and only I can do this for you he says I am the gate I love this part in John chapter 10 verse 9 Uh, it's on the screen Jesus says I am the gate and then what's the next word Whoever, whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is saying the full life is available to all people. That only my sheep, that my sheep can only come through the gate. There's only one way. But all the sheep are invited. All the sheep are encouraged to come. Whoever enters through me, Jesus says, will be saved. And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm that black sheep, and Jesus is like, but I'm the gate, so I've got you covered. I'm, I'm that wounded, broken down sheep. My wool's no good. And Jesus is like, but I'm the gate. I've got this figured out. I love that message that whoever enters through Jesus will be saved. So it's an exclusivity and that the only way is Jesus, but it's an inclusivity and in the invitation is open to all of us. He is the gate. And I love this part of the passage that says in verse uh, in chapter 10 verse 9b He will come in and go out and find pasture. It's just this picture of life. The going in for the resting the coming out for the for the feeding the flourishing the whole beautiful life he will come in and go out and find pasture and my question for you today is if you have not yet gone through the one gate jesus will you go through jesus he is the only way to that abundant life he is the only answer to the cry of your heart he is the only answer to that deep hole in your soul that thing that you know just isn't quite right, that's, that's missing. He'll bring the answer to that. Will you enter through the gate? The Greek word for gate is also door. And the exact same word is used in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. After Jesus dies on the cross, he is buried, he is put into a cave, And the opening, there's one opening to the cave, not two, there's one opening to the cave, and it's called a door. Same word as as the gate. And they roll this large stone against the door of the tomb. Jesus willingly went into that tomb. He willingly let himself be shut up there and he powerfully and all in his own power came out of the door of that tomb. I wish I could have seen that moment when that stone rolls away. We hear about the earthquake. I wish we could have seen that moment when that door is moved and Jesus bursts out of that doorway. Jesus could have died and made all of our sins right by his death, but he doesn't stay dead. He instead resurrects and comes back to life, making it possible for us to not only be forgiven, but then to also live a resurrected new life. Jesus makes abundant life possible. Jesus tells us that abundant life can be found over my dead body. In the the Bible, at the very beginning of the Bible, we have God creating Adam and Eve, we have Adam and Eve sinning, and then sin enters the world, and then all the rest of the whole Bible is all about God chasing after his people. And there's a picture in the in Genesis, in that first book of the Bible, that's given where after Adam and Eve bring sin upon the earth, then God takes two cherubim, two angels, and they have flaming swords. And they block the entrance to the presence of God because people are no longer holy enough to be in the presence of the holy God. And there's this, this door, this this pathway, this entrance to the garden that is blocked. But then when you get through all the books of the Bible and you end up over here in Revelation, this prophetic book, this book of what is to come in the future. There are some other gates that are mentioned, and it goes like this in Revelation twenty-one twenty-one. It's describing the heaven that is to come, the new the new heaven and the new earth, and it says the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Now listen to this verse. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The gates will never be shut because there will no longer be any threat." And those who will be there, those who will be inside those gates, will have entered through the gate, Jesus. They are the ones, as the Revelation passage says, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those are the people who have their names written in God's book. Those who God says, I know you. You have come to me. You are my son. You are my daughter. It is those who have gone through Jesus, the gate, the only way to salvation. And all who have done so have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. My, the story of our home invasion has another part to it. When I came down those stairs into the kitchen and I, I shoved open that door and was taking in all of the debris around me, just a little ways away, there was a little piece of floor that was showing that hadn't been covered up. And on the bottom of the, on the floor, I saw a, a small bag with a small loaf of bread in it. And that was something that we had purchased for communion, for one of our life groups that we had started up, that we're going to use the next night. And that, that bread in that bag was all squashed. It had been trampled on. It was smashed. It was still in the bag, but it was all, all smashed up. And right next to it was a little miniature bottle of of grape juice. And we had this crushed up bread and this bottle that had been thrown down and trampled on on the floor. And even though my senses were overwhelmed and even though I, I was even struggling to breathe in that moment, it was just so much to take in, but I had a moment of clarity and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, here I am. I was with you all along. You were safe upstairs. You and Adam were fine. I had it down here. And I got trampled for you. I took all of this for you. And it was like he said to me in that moment, this happened over my dead body. the way jesus works he's the gate he's the protector he's the shield he's the way he's the path to flourishing he's the way to we ended up being fine we got a whole new kitchen out of it it was awesome (laughs) we lost nothing of sentimental value we were shaken up for a little while i did a little counseling and worked through some ptsd but we didn't have kids we didn't lose anything sentimental we were fine it generated a ton of prayer I think that's how city life got birth, because then everybody started praying for us all over again. We were fine. God brought blessing to us out of that. Our, we did our, the locks on our doors may have failed. Those doors were kicked in, they were torn off their hinges. The locks on our doors failed, but our gate did not. Jesus says, I am your gate. I am your gate. I am your rescue, I am your way, all the other things you might pursue will not lead to the kind of flourishing life that you want and that I want for you. Jesus says, I want a flourishing life for you like you can't even imagine. And he says, I'm that way. And Jesus, I I want you to know the cross was not a tragedy, the cross was a strategy. Jesus said, I lay down my life. This is just later on in John chapter 10. He says in verse 17, I lay down my life only to take it up again. Surprise. (laughs) No one takes my life from me, Jesus said. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And the invitation he gives us today is, come all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. I'll give you pasture. In Revelation 3, the Lord is speaking to the church that has fallen away. And he speaks to the church that has fallen away, and he he says, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But the Lord says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am, Jesus says. Now he's talking about the door of your heart. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. How do we get this abundant life? It's through Jesus. Perhaps some of you would say, I have wanted to co-mingle. I like Jesus, But I wrestle with the exclusivity. The reality is that Jesus is the one, this is about me making up rules. This isn't about the church making up rules about Jesus' exclusivity. This is Jesus saying, I am exclusively the way. And if you're actually going to follow me, you have to let all those other things go because I'm it. And if any of you would be in that position today of you've been wanting to commingle some things, but you like Jesus. I would encourage you to make a decision for him today, to lean toward that and say, Jesus, you're my gate. Maybe I don't have all the answers yet, but Jesus, I choose you and I commit to going through you. You're my gate. I'm going your way. It's a step of faith. But the, the assurance of that and the proof of, it, of its truth will come to you as you believe and as you trust in him for that. He will make that known to you. Others of you might be wandering sheep. It's time to come in at night. You're, you're over here. It's time to pasture. You're over there. And I just invite you today, if, if you've kind of been wandering a little bit, you know that Jesus is the gate, but you've kind of liked doing things your own way. The scripture says that those whom the Lord loves, he corrects and disciplines. And so the invitation to you today is to come back to the gate Get going again. It's ultimately not about you and how good of a sheep you are. It is about you coming through Jesus and letting him anoint you with the oil to deal with your wounds, letting him count you and pay attention to you and look you over and give you the care that you need. Your shepherd is waiting for you. The gate is here, and you're invited to it. He's not going to make you come, but you're invited to the gate. Would you bow your heads with me? If you would say, I've been, I, I've, I've been commingling. I, I like Jesus, but I've kind of been dabbling in other stuff too, and I, I'm ready to just say, I'm going to pursue Jesus exclusively. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand wherever you are? Okay. Yep. Lots of hands. And if you would say, I've been a wandering sheep, and I need to do a little repentance and come back to Jesus as my path. Jesus is my way. Would you lift your hand? Jesus is my gate. Yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus, you see your sheep. You see your sheep. You love your sheep. You're counting your sheep. You see every single one. You call every sheep by name. You have invited us into your pen. You have invited us through the gate. You have invited us out of the gate. You've invited us into abundant life. And Lord Jesus, in this moment, we confess our brokenness and our wounds and our flaws. We confess our fears and our our stubbornness our willfulness against you, our desire to have our own way. We confess our sin and the ugly stuff that has been part of our lives, the ugliness that has been part of all of us. We confess that to you. We say we are sorry. And if you are praying this prayer, I invite you to turn from it. It's called repenting in the Bible. It's to turn your back on that And to decide now, you're going to move in it with the help of God. You're going to go in a new direction, turn a new path, go a different way, going toward the gate. And Jesus says, repent of your sin. Confess me as the way, the truth, and the life. Believe that I am your gate and your Savior. And receive your status as a daughter of God, as a son of God. You are a child of God, Jesus says, and you are mine. And Jesus, I pray for your spirit, your Holy Spirit, to settle on each person who is praying this prayer or a prayer like it. And I pray that your spirit will anoint wounds, I pray that your spirit will fill with a sense of confirmation and assurance that they belong to you. And I ask, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will give them a new glimpse of the abundant life that you have for us. Amen.